It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be joined by Robert Wolf. He's a big economic advisor to uh, President Obama. He used to run UBS, and I'm sure he'll play a role in the Biden administration. He's wanted him all along because you know what today is. This is the eve of four straight days of Democratic uh, of the Democratic Virtual Convention. I'm not being sarcastic. It's a virtual convention. Nobody's in Milwaukee because of the coronavirus, just like almost no one will be in Charlotte, North Carolina, because of the coronavirus. Abby Hornacek at the bottom of the hour, excuse me, at about 45 after, she'll be talking about going to parks. And listen, we're all banned from every place, every country. We're even banned from certain states. We have to stay here. She wanted an RV with her family and checked out parks so we don't have to, or maybe we can follow her in our wake. We'll talk about that, but most importantly, I'll talk to you, one 866 There's a poll that you're not going to hear about on CNN, even though it's a CNN poll. The CNN poll, which had Donald Trump trailing on June 2nd by 14 points, now has him trailing by four. Hmm. That sounds a lot like what started happening in 2016. You don't want to hear that. I know, but that's exactly what happened. I don't you you probably do want to hear it if you're supporting President Trump, but for those people who are certain Biden had won already, oops, let's get to the big three. As the cases start to decline in the southern states, Arizona, Texas, Florida, we're starting to see infections pick up in other parts of the country. Really the only state that seems to have come down quite a bit of the epidemic sunbelt states is Arizona. Uh, here we go. Uh, that was Scott Gottlieb, used to run things at the CDC. Uh, coronavirus, getting ready to get back to school. Cases rising in just 10 states. Death rising in just nine states. How the new saliva test might just be the game changer for sports, schools, and your business. Number two. The genesis of the crime, you can have a great debate about. Trump, there are good people on both sides. Ku Klux Klan. So I think Trump has some liability. For the increase in the crime. What a what a clueless clown, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, he'll be speaking tonight. Law enforcement was left alone, uh, and they are leaving us alone now. The men and women in blue are stepping back, and I don't blame them. Long waits for 911 calls in Portland, Chicago, New York, and elsewhere. Some go unanswered. Some responses just delayed. And when it comes to Manhattan, guess who the governor blames for the 76 shootings and 14 deaths? You just heard him. Trump. Number one. Whatever it is, his message has been, I'm not Donald Trump. The convention acceptance speech is going to be the point at which he's going to have to say, this is why you ought to vote for me. And you know what? Karl Rove is right again. 2020, a campaign like no other, back-to-back virtual conventions about to kick off. What the polls say about this race right now, the DNC lineup uh, night one, and how the Trump team will break tradition on the fight uh, all the way through. And this is what what I mean by tradition. Instead of them going dark and saying, we're not going to be able to get any press, so we don't usually do anything if you are a Democrat during a Republican convention, if you are a Republican during the Democratic convention. Well, the president just told us now, he was just on Fox and Friends, listen, I got to do it. 
uh, I'm working. And while the vice president is afraid to go to Wisconsin and accept the nomination, the president will be in Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, today. In fact, he leaves wheels up at 1025. Uh, the president will sign a declaration declaring August 20th, uh, August uh, 2020 as National Suffrage Month, obviously. And I did a great special, if I do say myself, uh, uh, thanks to great producing with Fox Nation on women's suffrage 100 years since they earned the right to vote. Fascinating story. He's also going to go to Yuma Arizona, Yuma, Arizona to visit and speak about the border. On Thursday, Trump will host the prime minister of Iraq at the White House and then will travel to Old Forge, uh, Pennsylvania. So listen. He's going to hit the battleground states. He's got a ground game. And the vice president, I'm not saying he's got a bad staff. They'll reportedly he's got a great staff. They're not doing anything on the ground. They're trying to show responsibility. The president's got his people knocking on about a million doors, a million doors. Call Rove, cut two. Hillary Clinton, 30 million people turned into her acceptance speech. 32.2 million turned into Donald Trump's acceptance speech. Let's see how many people turn into Joe Biden's. But this is a critical moment. For the last roughly six months since securing the Democratic nomination, Biden's been content to stay in the basement in Wilmington and basically, you know, like, you know, prevent defense in football or basketball, throw it around the edges, run out the clock, whatever it is. His message has been, I'm not Donald Trump. The convention acceptance speech is going to be the point at which he's going to have to say, this is why you ought to vote for me, because of what I stand for and what I intend to do. And it's going to be a big, important moment. Let's see how many people tune in. Let's see how effectively it's done. Well, I mean, they got a ton of celebrities going to be there. But tonight it's going to be Senator uh, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, They're going to have uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Musto, Governor Cuomo, Governor Wichmer. Uh, Representative Clyburn, who really delivered this nomination for for the vice president. The convention chairman is Benny Thompson. He'll speak. Uh, Gwen Moore, Senator Doug Jones, he's dead on arrival, I believe. He will not get that job again. Former Governor John Kasich, he's a Republican. What's significant about this? Nobody wants him there. I think 36% of the Democrats polled want John Kasich to speak. Nobody wants him to speak, yet they're given AOC on tape one minute. I don't get it. You're going to give Bernie Sanders nine minutes. AOC is a better speaker. Uh, listen, I don't want either one of them to speak. Uh, they wouldn't speak it, uh, at my birthday party, let alone speak at a national convention to set the tone. But why is Kasich speaking? He embarrassed the Republican Party as a conservative by not showing up in the RNC in his own state. Uh, Now he's endorsing Joe Biden. Good luck with that. Uh, Senator Sanders and then Michelle Obama will be the headliner. No question. Most popular, a book still among the top 10 of the nation. I don't understand it. Uh, I can understand if the president Obama's book was, but hers seems to be pretty popular. So what's it going to take to get Joe Biden out of the basement? How about poll numbers that show that he's in a real race? And how about CNN came up with them? It's four-point difference now. Now, four years ago, Hillary Clinton in the battleground states on the real clear politics average led Donald Trump by 4.9% in the battleground states. You know what Joe Biden leads him with now? 4.4. The president's approval rating among seniors went up nine points. Approval at 44 percent. People act like that's a disaster. That's roughly 46 percent what President Obama was at. Without the press all against him, with all the charisma that he has, he's a better speaker, no question. Without a pandemic, he's still got 44 percent approval. Now, CBS did a poll and they said the president would lose 279 to 163 right now. That's fine. 96 are toss-ups. That's according to the Electoral College right now. Now, among likely voters on CBS, it's by 10 uh, advantage for Biden. Okay, that's fine. Then CNN comes out with a poll, and in June, uh, it was 55-41. Pretty bleak. So CNN's going to roll out a new poll 
of likely voters. Guess what? Oops, 50 to 46, a huge shift. What are they going to do? Voters between the age of 35 and 64 begin to tilt towards Trump. In June, Biden had it 56 to 40. The movement of the poll numbers is concentrated among men who were split evenly in June. Not anymore. Among independents, Biden had a 52-41 lead in June, but now independents are nearly divided at 46. Biden had 45% for Trump. So 46-45, game on. you got to get him out of the basement. Now the Wall Street Journal rolls out with a poll. They got a nine-point lead for uh, Joe Biden. But Trump scores 10 percentage points higher than Biden. And which candidate would be better on the economy? Biden does better on who would do better on the pandemic. I don't know why. What he said is, I would urge all governors to mandate masks. Congratulations. How cutting edge. This is a fight. And with all the stuff that's gone wrong, with the mistakes that Donald Trump has made, the unorthodox way in which he's done them, the way the media is lined up against him, he's still right there. What you have now is a Democratic Party who wants to kid you that they haven't gone way left. They want to deny it. But they have. They just don't want you. They know you won't vote that way. So they won't do it. Steve Bannon, one of the smartest people you will meet, right or left, said this on with Mia, uh, uh, with Maria over the weekend. Cut five. Well, I think this is perfect for President Trump. In fact, if I was the campaign or the RNC, I would amplify the message that's coming out of this convention. And here's why. President Trump won in 16 because he stood up for America. He stood up for working class and middle class people against, uh, against a, a, an elite, a financial and political elite that was driving the managed decline of the United States. And you're going to see it over the next four days. That's what they're going to be talking about, more globalization, right? And they will. Uh, They're going to be talking about wind. They're going to talk about uh, raising our profile internationally. They're going to be talking about getting back into the Paris climate deal. They're going to be talking about how bad it was to rip up the Iranian deal, although they knew it was so terrible. That's why they couldn't get the majority of Democrats to vote for it. That's why Schumer sat out. So that'll be a tough one for them. They're going to deny the Middle East. Now, when it comes to NATO, they're going to say, look at how bad it is. But they've gotten more money, and we have more troops there than we used to. They're not going to bring up Iraq because Iraq was a disaster. They pulled out, created ISIS. They're not going to bring up Afghanistan. They got roughly the same amount of troops there than when Obama was there. They're not going to bring up Syria because Syria was, they were dug in with ISIS. They were beheading Americans uh, until President Obama told Congress to vote on it and then went golfing. So I don't think they're bringing that up. What they're going to bring up is what they'll do with the economy. They're going to say that the president had tax cuts for the rich. What he did was cut corporate tax rate to bring back manufacturing here and bring companies back here, which Joe Biden wants to do is bring companies back here, but raise the corporate rate. It's impossible. So the other big story, as you know, is this mail-in ballots. I asked the president about that. I don't know if we were able to pull that cut. But essentially this, 39 percent of you are going to vote by mail. Forty nine percent are interested in voting by mail because of the coronavirus. I asked the president flat out, would you be okay if someone wanted an absentee ballot and checked the box I want uh, because of Corona, I'm concerned about getting it. I go. He said, absolutely. Which, by the way, I don't think was clear up until the interview. Number two, he said, I'm up in more polling places. We'll, we'll make it easier for people to vote. I said, what about the course of two or three days? He said, sure, I'm open to all of that. 
So, yeah, let's listen. Cut 48. We all know we're in a pandemic. No one denies that. Would you be open to doing anything different than November 3rd? Would you be open to November 2nd? Would you be open to voting through the weekend to give people a chance to socially distance? Would you support more locations, National Guard working? Would, yeah. would you sit down and, and try to work some adjustments in? I would support all of that. That's what you want to do. And people, you know, we voted during World War One. We voted during World War Two. We voted during many crises. I mean, we voted like nobody would believe we never had a problem. Now we have problems. Look at Carolyn Maloney, the, the horrible right. thing that took place in New York just now. They still don't know what. And they're declaring her a winner and they have no idea where the ballots are, where the where the votes are. And the same thing with Patterson, New Jersey, and the same thing happened in Virginia. And it's it's scary. And it should not be a partisan issue. Joe Biden could win and we might not have the right tally. It's ridiculous because a lot of seniors vote for the president. The president dominated in the senior vote. Most seniors will choose to do absentee and they do vote. Those are the people that will lose it. We've gotten this totally screwed up. It's not the postal worker, the sorter or the machines. It's nobody's equipped to get besieged. By all these ballots, absentee ballots, people from the states, you just going to if you do get the right address and everybody does vote, the post office will be able to handle it. Why should they? What business can on a dime handle quadruple the amount of requests, let alone the post office who don't make a lot? Their money's paid in benefits, who lost seventy eight billion dollars because they're so inefficient in their business model from 2007 to 2019. And you know who was against the post office? This man named Barack Obama. You know who recommended getting rid of 12,000 postal workers? President Obama. And you know who just was on a podcast saying the President Trump is trying to kneecap the post office? President Obama. What is he ever going to be held into account for what he does? I'm going to take some of your calls now, 1-866-408-7669. And then Robert Wolf will come in and tell us about a great, uh, what a great economic plan Joe Biden has. And I'll try not to laugh. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie 
your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. One of the points that I will make is that the progressive movement has been making enormous progress, not only in electing candidates to Congress, not only in electing candidates to state legislatures, but also electing candidates who are uh, running for district attorney who are transforming criminal justice in America. Yeah, and that's the one thing you're saying out loud, Bernie, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, which is why Jim Clyburn endorsed Biden and not you, because you're a socialist who never implemented any of your prob- uh, your own, your projects or your programs. You're somebody who had a Vermont try to do some of your things on health care and almost went bankrupt. So now you just yell at everyone else to do it. You call yourself an independent Democrat. Listen, I admire your energy and sincerity. But you have to know on some level this stuff will never work. And you have a whole new generation of Democrats coming in to poison the well for middle Americans, independents, and moderates will never vote for somebody with your policies, which is exactly why Barack Obama did not endorse AOC, which is exactly why he didn't endorse anybody in the squad. Not necessarily doesn't believe it, but he knows that the country will never buy it. But they'll let him speak for nine minutes today. The only thing is, it's to unite this young generation of socialists that Bernie is their beacon of hope to. And if Bernie says, I'm not voting for Biden, the Democrats can't win. So they're in a tough situation. Joanne, listening on WTRW in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Joanne. Yes, I, I think we should have absentee balance for people over 60 if requested. And weekend voting for others in person. So you like you like the idea today? Yes, and because we don't want another Belarus situation, as you see in the news, they got somebody that that pretended to win, and he's a dictator. Yeah, I hear you. Thanks, Joanne. Terry, listen on WIBX in New York. Terry. Yes, sir. Good morning, Brian. What's uh, in your mind? I have, I have a very good solution to this absentee mail and uh, voter problem. Easily done, foolproof. Uh, have a database, which we should be able to set up pretty easy at the center over to Mars. We should be able to set up a database for mail-in voters. And on each ballot, you have the last four digits of Social Security. Okay? Then, when your ballot comes in, if it doesn't have a database, throw the ballot out because it's not valid. Simple. 
All right. Thanks, Terry. We'll look into that. The other thing that really bothers me about New Jersey and Nevada is now if you vote up in person, that's provisional, which means only in case of a uh, dead heat will provisional ballots be looked at. No, you should. It should be the exception is mail-in balloting. It should be the rule that you show up. And the one thing, for example, in Mississippi, if you say, I'm concerned about coronavirus, I can't show up in person, they say that's not good enough reason to be uh, to get a absentee ballot. So that, to me, uh, the president says, no, I have no problem with that. If you have an underlying condition, 40% of Americans have underlying conditions. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. And you're a little concerned by that? That's an issue. But now I feel Democrats are saying, oh, my goodness, the president's going to starve out the post office and kind of said that on Maria's show on Friday. And now people are flipping out. And now they're going to bring Congress back to Washington. They never should have left to begin with. They're going to bring him back to Washington on uh, Thursday, and they might have a vote on Saturday. What they should do is, if they're going to get a rescue package, work that out. The PPE needs more help. There are states that need help uh, that are doing the things the right way. Maybe you could put some riders on there that's not going to bail out pension programs that were unaffordable that they shouldn't have signed on to. But there are states with absolutely no revenue at all, no tax dollar revenue, that are hoping to get some money. I think there might be some compromise there. Special salute to South Dakota, by the way. They were offered money by the president, uh, like everybody else, for elections. And they said, no, we got this. No problem. Give it to somebody else. Uh, That uh, Governor Noem is definitely lined up to be in 2024 a leading candidate. When we come back, UBS's Robert Wolf, advisor to the President Biden's campaign. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. Balancing public health uh, with the sacred right of, of voting, as we've discussed, with democracy. I'm sure the vice president will be, uh, between now and Election Day, up to his eyeballs in interviews and debates. I'm sure he'll get out there, but we've got to get that balanced and we've got to get that balanced right. That's a message, I think, that's being sent to America by the vice president, that this is a moment in time unlike any other. And and balancing public health with democracy is something that we have to get get right. And I believe he's gotten it 
right so far, and I'm sure he'll continue to. We'll see. That was Governor Murphy yesterday with Chris Wallace, who was asking him, when is, he, when is Joe Biden going to start making appearances? When is he going to give up for a Sunday interview? When is he going to start doing any type of events, going to a factory, walking the floor, things to that nature? Uh, Robert Wolf joins us now, Fox News contributor, former economic advisor to President Obama. And normally, we'd probably be interviewing you in Milwaukee if there was any other year without a pandemic. Uh, thanks, China. Uh, on the floor, doing some great interview one-on-one. But, Robert, are you in Milwaukee? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm calling remote just like, uh, you know, most people today are either working from home or some other virtual place. So I'm not in Milwaukee. What do you expect the message to be tonight? So I think tonight is going to be one of the most fascinating evenings of the four nights, partly because it just shows how diverse the tent is of the Democratic Party. But more importantly, Brian, if you look at it with Michelle Obama and Bernie Sanders, you could argue that these two individuals could be the most important people when it comes to the Democratic Party about getting out the vote. They talk to a very different constituency. And so, you know, Michelle talks to what I would call the Obama coalition, very diverse, you know, urban women, um, well-educated women, where Bernie's talking to the youth vote, the more the populist side. And I think that combination um, is what we need to get out the vote, which we didn't get out in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. He gets nine minutes. AOC gets one minute. Governor Kasich gets more than that and gets a more prominent spot. Uh, Governor Kasich only has support of 34 percent of Democrat polled uh, who, who submitted to the poll of support there. Uh, why is it important to put him up on a Democratic convention? You know, I, I, listen, I think it was surprising to many of us, um, but I think it's a smart move. And it's a smart move because in Ohio, um, all you need is a few extra votes um, to possibly make that swing state go blue, which it hasn't, uh, which it didn't in 2016, um, but it did in 2012 and 2008. So we need the Obama coalition come back, but we also need moderates to come back. Governor Kasich expanded Medicaid. Um, He expanded, you know, education. And so I think there's a lot of people that saying, you know what, he's a moderate and we should listen to him. And I think the hope is to hopefully get some of the Trump Republicans to move. So you're not a socialist, right? I'm not a socialist. Are you a socialist? Does it concern you (laughs) that the squad and AOC and Bernie Sanders have such a prominent role, not so much in the convention, but in the party? And that, that Bernie's message, and he's, he's a man without accomplishments of any legislature at all, uh, they're afraid of him. And they're giving yeah, him this Brian, spot to keep him on his side. Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me because I would say it very differently. Um, voters vote, and they voted for Joe Biden. The party coalesced around Joe Biden. It didn't coalesce around Bernie Sanders. That is why he's the nominee, and it's also why Hillary Clinton was a nominee. Maybe 65% of the party is what I would call progressive moderates, and maybe 35% of the party is what I would call populist progressives. And the party made a statement that they think Joe Biden is the best to be the leader of the party. So I know that we want to talk a lot about Bernie Sanders, but people vote for the top of the ticket. They're not voting for Bernie Sanders. But it is important to make sure that Bernie's messaging, which is part of the party, 
is heard. But Joe Biden has not taken on the Bernie Sanders platform. He did not support Medicare for all. He did not support the Green New Deal. He did not support defund police. He did not support the wealth tax. So we just should be clear that, you know, it's great to have this rhetoric about who Bernie Sanders is in the party. But Joe Biden is the top of the ticket. What, what does Joe Biden do then? He wants to raise corporate tax rates while bringing corporations home. Does that make sense? You know, I, I actually think um, it's not surprising that we, we did not need to go from 35 plus percent to 20 percent. There were no corporations that wouldn't have been ecstatic at 28 percent right now. But it still would know, have been higher than most of the world. No, no, that's not that's one not accurate. Uh, It's not higher than most of the world. But number two, remember, we have a lot of different taxation treaties. There are very few corporations that paid 35 percent in corporate America, right? Almost almost none of them paid 35 percent. Actually, a disproportionate pay below 50, 15 percent because of all the loopholes. So what I would say is we should rid some loopholes. We should have a a tax that people actually corporations are actually paying. Okay, similar to we know some companies that are paying made north of a billion dollars that pay no taxes. But I think more importantly, in this time of the pandemic, okay, we can just keep running up our deficits, but we also have to start paying for it. The only revenues there are right now is taxes. And in every war since 1776, taxes have followed war. You can go do all the research you want. This is pandemics of war. We're going to have to get to pay for it. And I think wealthy corporations and wealthy people are going to have to become more patriotic and pay during this. Wow. I cannot believe that. Even Governor Cuomo says you have to if you raise taxes on the wealthy, they're going to leave. And he said 50, 50, the one percent, 50 percent of all taxes in New York. They're going to go to states where it's going to go. I cannot believe most of your friends are rich and and they're not they're not lazy. Brian, I, you're putting words in my mouth that I didn't even say. Okay, please. Like no what? one talked about sales and local taxes, state and local taxes. We didn't even bring that up. I can debate that too. What I said is after every war. So I asked you, Brian, to do your homework. What don't war? Put, after every, you don't think this pandemic's a war? I don't know. It's oh a different. It's a health crisis. Really? This is more 1918 than 9/11. You don't think it's a war? Come on. I don't know. You, but one's a health crisis, one's a war. There's a difference. Are you? Are you? I think you're the socialist. Are you happy that right now, with fiscal conservative, we have the highest deficit in debt? Are, ever? are you trying How to get? You are you trying that? to spend three point four trillion dollars? No, that's what no, Nancy Pelosi's doing. Actually, Isn't Brian, that your party, way, Brian? It is my party, but Brian, have you ever heard me say I support three and a half trillion? Well, you're I just picking and choosing I what said, uh, the Democratic Brian, platform you like. I said, I'm allowed to pick and choose. I don't have to be all in on everything. What are you all in on everything the Republicans do? Well, you, you, you said support, you want to be cutting spending and raising taxes. Do you, support, do you support President Trump using Lysol as a distant as come on? He didn't we, even we say go, that. We can do this. What's about? He never it. even say that. You could do that. But I you just tell just say where you Brian, differ. Brian, I just told you I'm not for the Green New Deal. I'm not for Medicare for all. I'm for health care as a right. I'm for climate action. I've just t- mentioned a whole slew of things to you, but you don't want to hear that part. You want to hear what you want. Come on. This is supposed no, to be no, no, no. See, see, you, see okay. you, you have to you're ignoring the Democratic platform that's unpopular. I'm not ignoring the Democratic that's what you're doing. platform and, at all. And you know that most of the people in the Democratic that's Party support the new Green Deal. The top of the ticket. Okay, we're talking about President Biden. 
Vice President Biden, hopefully President Biden, excuse the Freudian slip there, but we're talking about the Democratic Convention. The Democratic Convention's platform is not for Medicare for all, which is why Ro Khanna and others have not supported it. We should just make sure the facts are real. I know that you want to put out things, but that's not accurate. Okay, okay. we know what the platform is. So we should just talk facts. And you, with respect no, no, to no, you, you could taxes, you could talk facts, and then you can. What yeah. you're going to hear tonight is Medicare for all. Okay, and but Bernie Sanders for nine minutes is going to be talking about that. No, Without Bernie that, Sanders, fine, you don't have a United Party. Way, and all he wait, talks about way. is bending <laughs> Joe Biden along with the squad Brian, as soon as he gets Brian, in there. Brian, Brian, you and I can continue to debate this all we want, but Joe Biden has been clear in what he stands for. Robert Wolf has been clear. I've been clearing your show for ten years now. Okay. Okay. Right, let's just, let's just talk about what he did say. Joe Biden, we all know that, that Joe Biden is overwhelmed at the moment. Are we having fun yet? On right. This? But here, here's the one thing to keep in mind. Joe Biden put his hands up when he was asked, do you support health care for illegals? Okay. All right. Uh, you have, he picked Kamala Harris, who was going to get rid of all private health care until she realized she didn't even think that out. But she's for Medicare for all. Okay, but Joe Biden has been clear what he's for. And so, Brian, there's no question the vice president, Kamala Harris, who's his vice presidential candidate and pick, was for Medicare for all. Okay, but then she switched. And by the way, she switched and said she wanted to make sure that it was an iterative process, irrespective of what Kamala stands for. It's what the top of the ticket stands for. You're voting for President Biden or President Trump. That's what the choice is. Okay, there are things that Vice President Pence and Donald Trump did not agree with before he became vice president. Okay, at the end of the day, we have to look at who's at the top of the ticket. I know that you want to talk about Bernie Sanders and AOC, and there's no question they're influential on the on the party, but they are not running for president. How do you feel about Joe Biden saying nothing about the unrest, unsolicited? He only takes six. He's only taken, I think, done six interviews in three months or something. So how do you feel about him not coming out condemning 74 people shot, 16 killed in New York? How do you feel about him not talking about the looting in Chicago? How do you feel about not talking about the relentless rioting in Portland? I mean, I think he has spoken a lot about um, the protests and the riots. I think during I think post the George Floyd murder, I think Joe Biden has captivated a lot of the democratic party and has spoken a lot about it really as has other yeah i think so oh, you, yeah. you, you, what did he say today i didn't see him today I, right uh, I what did he say over today. the weekend it was happening over the week what happened last weekend see that's pretty much this is if you ask me why the cnn poll closed within four <laughs> from 14 what? it's the seven hundred thousand police officers and their families though which i guess would quadruple it Oh, who are saying, my goodness. What Wait, if- Brian, are we talking about polls? I, uh, by the way, I don't think, I don't look at polls the way we've learned our lesson in the past. I think today there are a lot of polls. There's another poll that came out after the CNN poll, which was at 12%. I think the Fox polls at 9 or 11%. There's a lot of polls all over the place. We know that 80 days is a lifetime. Okay, so when you, you say one poll, I could bring up another poll. Polls aside, we know that this election is going to be close, and we know that come Labor Day, there's going to be billions of dollars spent, 
in eight states. Um, and it's going to be about Joe Biden. Are you comfortable with mail-in balloting? Yes, I'm absolutely comfortable with mail-in balloting. Do you? I know unrequested balloting. It's how I voted in the New York primary. Right. Did you request a ballot? Way, I have requested a ballot. Yeah, that's the I'm problem. Not living in New York. Now that's the that's the problem. I am for absentee balloting or whatever reason yes, you need. Yeah, for mail-in voting. That well, absentee voting and mail-in voting are the same. No, they're not. Unsolicited okay. ballots no, no, mailed to somebody. Different. That's what I'm no, talking no. about. Nevada, yep. New okay. Jersey, yep. nine states now. Unsolicited. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. To the blanket ballots. Right. So you're talking, uh, the, we're talking a different, few different things here. Mail in and absentee voting are the same. You're talking about states deciding to send ballots out to all individuals in their state, which a few states do that. I'm for making sure everyone can vote in this time of pandemic. A lot of people are not going to be comfortable going to the polls. We should make it as easy as possible that everyone has the right to vote. Nine states now are getting unsolicited ballots. Are you comfortable with that? Nine states is what? Nine states are doing that. Yeah, I'm comfortable with them sending ballots out. I think that why, why, why is that a negative? Of course. You know why it's a negative. You have no idea why? where people live there. You, if people rather show okay. up, they don't want a mail-in right. ballot. Do you but want somebody we, in the family filling out a ballot? No. Well, we know when people mail-in ballots, there's an easy cross-check to it. That's why mail-in and absentee ballots has worked so well in many states over the many, many years. Not unsolicited. I mean, uh, but, that, Robert, I got to run. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good luck tonight. We'll talk to you along the way. Uh, Back in a moment. And when we come back, Abby Hornacek joins us to do something all Americans have to do. Stay home because we're banned from other countries and learn what's in our national parks. And what is it like to be in an RV with your family? We'll discuss all that. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Our first drop was a two-stage rappel down into what is called the medieval chamber. Pretty much what that meant was I needed to navigate the sides of petrified sand dunes to an initial drop 30 feet down. That is just some of the magic in Abby Hornacek's brand new Fox series, which seems brand new, but actually the whole app is brand new. You can watch Fox Nation the same place you're watching us right now. Season four of Parked is ready to go despite the pandemic. Abby Hornacek, what were you just describing for us? Oh, Brian, I was describing part of what happened on our 12-day RV trip around the Southwest. Um, We were rappelling down these petrified sand dunes in Moab, uh, one of our many stops along the way. When you stop in Moab, you can go to Canyonlands National Park. You can go to Arches National Park. You can drive to Bryce. I mean, you are so close to so many things. And that was just one of the many activities that we got to do. What what do you mean your family went? How many members of your family? So both of my parents went, we rented an RV and traveled from Arizona 
through southwest Utah and through Colorado to go to five national parks, two state parks, one national monument, and obviously have some great family time. My parents are troopers, Brian. You just did a trip, right? You just did a trip with your family. Yeah, I, I didn't really stop. I kind of just drove straight through, uh, but that was fun. But you, do you have a big RV? Did you drive? I drove part of the way, and what's so funny is there was this natural sandstone arch in the road, and we were about to go through, and I looked at my parents, and I was like, are we going to make this? I mean, I've never driven an RV before, so are we going to make this clearance? And there was no sign, that I don't, not that I saw anyway, there probably was somewhere, that said a clearance. So we had to look it up. I had to Google how tall the RV was because I wasn't sure how tall it was. So um, one of the many funny moments, I think, that happened along the way. But, Brian, I'm going to be honest. My dad did the majority of the driving. He did. Because when you're driving... When you're driving this thing, you're inside of the the lane, but it feels like you're going to sideswipe the car next to you. It was so wide, and I don't know how people do it, but my dad expertly maneuvered this this massive uh, vehicle. Right. Your dad, former NBA star, uh, said pretty much can do anything. So, Abby, they said with your, your parents said it was fun this morning to watch you work. Was it weird having your parents there when you're doing all this all this work on camera? <laughs> you know. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I wouldn't say it was weird. It definitely was a different experience, but it was more of a blessing to me because I think in the first three seasons of Parked, I have come home and they've asked me how, how it was, or I call them on the phone when I'm in New York and they're like, how was filming all this stuff. And it was such a treat for me for them to be able to see what goes into the filming of these shows because, you know, as much as I would like to say it's just a straight vacation where we're going and doing all these fun things, that's what it does feel like sometimes, but it also is a grind. And for them to be able to see what goes on behind the scenes and how the product is made is really cool for me. And it's like bring your parent to work day. Who doesn't want to do that? Absolutely. I was proud to show them off the product because it's something that I'm so passionate about, and they watch every episode, every season. I think they're the biggest fans of the show um, just because they're my parents. But, yeah, it was it was really nice for me to bring them along. Pick up Parked. Another reason to double-click on your Fox Nation app. Brand-new season. Abby, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Brian. All right. Pick it all up. Uh, meanwhile, keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York and heard around this great country uh, and uh, basically other countries as well. It's going to be an exciting week, first of two straight weeks. we got the DNC launching tonight. There's going to be a bunch of speakers, but there's going to be no applause, and no one's going to be in Milwaukee. We would have been in Milwaukee. We would have been coming to you live at a roster of guests. But you know what's so interesting, too, is that the Republicans are still campaigning. They're not going dark. I imagine the Democrats would do the same thing. How odd was it to not see any Democrats, really, for the most part, or no surrogates on any of the Sunday shows? It was just a bunch of angry hosts yelling at Republicans. Two things. Jared Kushner and Mark Meadows, if the president plans on winning this election, they will be on every weekend. 
They know the issues. They understand the president. They understand the real process from the campaign to the policy. They need to be asking all these questions. Uh, and they do. They are so strong and cool under pressure. So this hour, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Michael Goodwin. And we also have of the New York Post. And we have also um, uh, Allie Beth Stuckey will be with us. And we'll preview what's going to be taking place today. So let's get to the big three. As the cases start to decline in the southern states, Arizona, Texas, Florida, we're starting to see infections pick up in other parts of the country. Really the only state that seems to have come down quite a bit of the epidemic sunbelt states is Arizona. And that, of course, is Scott Gottlieb, coronavirus, getting ready to get back to school, I hope. Cases rising in just 10 states, deaths in just nine. How the new saliva test might be the game changer for sports school and your business. Number two. The genesis of the crime, you can have a great debate about. Trump, there are good people on both sides, Ku Klux Klan. So I think Trump has some liability for the increase in the crime. How unbelievably stupid and insulting is that? Governor Cuomo, because of Charlottesville three years ago, where the president said good people on both sides, clearly it was people who want the statues to stay as opposed to go. Law enforcement was left alone this weekend, so now they're leaving us alone. The men and women in blue are stepping back, and I don't blame them. Long waits for 911 calls in Portland, Chicago, New York, and Seattle. Some go unanswered. Responses delayed. And when it comes to Manhattan, guess who the governor blames for the 76 shooting and 14 deaths? Uh, The mayor? Uh, No. The president. Number one. Whatever it is, his message has been, I'm not Donald Trump. The convention acceptance speech is going to be the point at which he's going to have to say, this is why you ought to vote for me. Uh, That is Karl Rove. 2020, a campaign like no other. Back-to-back virtual conventions. What the polls say about the race right now. The DNC lineup is night one set, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, from here. We are all breaking tradition left and right. The president's going to be in Wisconsin. Uh, he's going to be in in uh, in today. He's also going to be in Pennsylvania. He's going to be speaking all week in battleground states, including Arizona. He doesn't care. He's not going to do big rallies, but he's going to make appearances. He's going to knock, have his people knock on doors. Michael Goodwin joins us. Uh, Michael, did you see the CNN poll that has the president closing from a 14-point deficit to a four? And do you buy it? Well, Brian, I think uh, it's always a mistake to buy any one poll uh, because the vagaries of of the of the uh, methodology, the questions, the way they were asked, the order they were asked in, the makeup of the respondents. Uh, so I think we should take any one poll with a grain of salt. Nonetheless, there is, I think, a general consensus of the polls that uh, the president is starting to narrow the gap a bit. Uh, This one has it down to four. Don't forget, uh, I think Fox at one point had it 14, right? So so I think that we'll see as, as these develop, but I think there is a sense that it's beginning to narrow, as most races tend to do at this stage. It, it, you know, the country's evenly divided, uh, so at least in a national poll, uh, not counting the state by state, but in a national poll, you would think that uh, they would come closer together. And then, of course, the election will be decided by the Electoral College on a state-by-state basis. Uh, 
Uh, so, I, but I think a national survey at this point uh, would naturally begin to tighten a bit. I would think so. Judging by the pandemic, everything seems so different. First off, some good news in New York. They sobered up and decided we weren't buying the dumb excuse that you can't shine those spotlights into the sky to commemorate those who lost their lives on 9-11. They've reversed it. That just shows you we're not total sheep as a country because we're not getting the names right as if that would bring a danger. Well, you know, Brian, this one struck me as particularly strange. It's almost as though they were using the pandemic as an excuse not to do this uh, when there was absolutely no justification for that. You could you could easily arrange this in ways that were particularly the lighting. My goodness. Uh, But but even reading the names and it will be done. Uh, across the street, effectively, by the Siller Foundation, uh, at, whereas in the actual ground zero spot, they'll be, uh, at least as last I heard, they'll be reading from a previous year, uh, playing a, a tape. Uh, so it, it all strikes me as a little strange. I mean, th- this idea that are we going to suspend all life until nobody can ever get sick from the COVID again? Yeah. No, I think we all we all recognize the need to be careful, or most of us do. But you cannot use this as an excuse to stop activities because you're too lazy to figure out how to do it properly. I mean, I'm afraid that's what's happening in the schools around the country, too. The teachers' unions, obviously, many of them in many states, want to get paid for not working. Working. That's as simple as that. Uh, they, they don't want to go into the school buildings. Well, that strikes me as that's a strike. You're basically calling a strike if you're using this as a reason simply for none of your members to show up. Now, as, as President Trump has said, some teachers have to be careful. But that doesn't mean we shut right. down the entire school system. Well, I know the teachers hate the remote learning. A lot of them want to get back. But they all have to join that union, so therefore someone's speaking for them. But I love principals that take charge and say, come on in. Here's the protocol. And they better come out with a way of um, getting out of it or else they're going to do it. I know in, in our town they, there's going to be a protocol. They're, they're going to hybrid level. Uh, I think that's happening in other places. This mayor has been very slow to organize anything. So I think that also they got to prepare for when a kid tests positive, what they're going to do about it. Uh, first off, I want to bring you back to this governor and this mayor, because Governor Cuomo, uh, when he sees the, the killing, the carnage that's going on in New York City, he doesn't take any blame for it. He blames the mayor, right? Nothing to do with him. But now it got even worse. Listen to what he said over the weekend when, he, when people came up to him and said, you know, another 74 people died, uh, uh, excuse me, 74 people shot and 16 died. Cut 29. Now, the genesis of the crime, you can have a great debate about, but the Trump economy, Trump not providing COVID relief, uh, George Floyd murder, Trump's response to the George Floyd murder, race relations stress, Trump... There are good people on both sides, Ku Klux Klan. So I think Trump has some liability for the increase in the crime. Is that outrageous? It's, you know, Brian, uh, I can't wait for Andrew Cuomo to speak to the convention because hopefully more people in the country will realize what 
what an utter ridiculous character he has become. Uh, his his handling of the COVID in New York has been a disaster. You know, he he said the other day something to the effect that, uh, or one of his supporters did that, because of the number of deaths in the United States, it's clear that Trump failed. Well, New York. Uh, is made up roughly 20% of the deaths in the United States. So how is Cuomo a success? And if he's such a success, why is he playing with the numbers of dead? He's reduced them by 7,000. I don't think the feds dropped their count by 7,000. And Cuomo is refusing to say where people died. It is remarkable how little we actually know about the deaths in New York. He and his health department have fudged the numbers. They have withheld information. They have absolutely lied about their own culpability in terms of uh, causing many of these deaths by sending uh, infected patients into nursing homes homes. But they have done everything they can to obscure the truth. And so tonight we will hear Andrew Cuomo lecture the nation and and criticize President Trump. And the Democrats in their own little hideouts will say, yeah, yeah, go get Trump, because it's the cheapest line in in the uh, book these days. All you have to do is criticize President Trump if you're a Democrat, and Democrats will give you a pass on everything else. And, the, and Andrew Cuomo is the best at that. He, will, he is shameless in his attacks on the president and, as you say, accepts no responsibility for anything that's right. gone wrong. But he, it's, a cheap, it's a cheap applause line, and so he will, he will be a master at getting cheap applause lines. But you know what's amazing? He's all over the map. One minute he's saying the president gave us everything we wanted, what they did at the yeah. Javits Center is uh, uh, amazing. He goes over to the White House and asks for money for tunnels and bridges and says we, this is the time to get these special projects. And, you know, and then he leaves and says this. And, we, and I brought it up to the president today. He had no idea. And he said a couple of times, if he said that, I'd be surprised. I'm like, no, no, he said it. But I want to give you an idea of how bad it's getting. And I saw your column today. If people want to, uh, on Sunday, when you talk about, uh, what happened to the city, wh- how it revived, and how it could revive again. You go over it uh, through Rudy Giuliani and, and Commissioner Bratton. But as you know, the president's brother, uh, Robert, died at the age of 71. The headline of the New York Post, excuse me, the Washington Post, Robert Trump, younger brother of President Trump, who filed lawsuit against Nice, dies at 71. Really? That's what he's yeah. known for? Abu Bakr yeah. al-Baghdadi was called after we killed him because he beheaded Americans and helped engineer the deaths of countless others in battle. They write, Baghdadi, austere religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. No, we killed him. Uh, And he wasn't austere. They later had to change both headlines. What is with these people? Well, Brian, I think it's it's just Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, a, a phrase that in the beginning sounded like a joke, but now you look at it, and Donald Trump has driven these people crazy. They they say and do crazy things now out of hatred for him. He's haunting them. Uh, everything is about him and their minds, and and they say he's a narcissist. Well, he he's in their head 24 hours a day, and so they write a headline about his brother uh, or about Baghdadi in ways that try to demean Donald Trump. Everything for them is about saying Trump is no good. 
And even the New York Times last week, I mean, you almost have to laugh at it because it's so it's so obvious and blatant. They, they talk about Harris and Biden, you know, sort of preaching uh, uh, hope and unity and Trump attacks. Well, oh, yes. Did you read that, that Biden speech? It was all an attack on Trump. So this idea that somehow Trump is different, he's the only politician in the room, the others are preaching hope and unity. Come on, you're making it up. And so when President Trump says fake news, you know, that too seemed like a joke. But more and more, it's becoming true. And I think that's what we're witnessing. The longer Trump is president, the crazier they get, the faker their news becomes. Yeah, they changed the headline to Robert Trump, younger brother of President Trump, dies at 71. And with Baghdadi, they wrote, uh, al-Baghdadi, uh, extremist leader of Islamic State, dies at 48. So they, they changed it, but it's nuts that they had to. But it goes you how crazy it is. There's something else going on. If you hear about these flotillas, if you see these yard signs, you see people carrying the flag. I've never saw that for Obama. I never saw that for Bush. I never saw it for Kerry. Never saw it for Al Gore. I've never seen anything like this. For somebody that's supposedly losing by so much and never had 50% approval, he certainly has support like I've never seen before, especially knowing that a lot of people don't show it because they get such derision. Final thought on that? Look, I, I think the, the election is going to be close. Uh, in terms of the popular vote. I mean, probably uh, Biden would win the popular vote because of the big blue states, California, Mm -hmm. New York, Illinois. But I think that clearly uh, if the president plays his cards right, if he if he stays on message, talks about the contrast between Democrats and Republicans, between his policies and Biden's uh, and gets off of things like Kamala Harris and whether she's, uh, you know, uh, legitimately qualified by birth to be president, if he sticks to the big issues that people can relate to that affects them. Their their safety, the economy, yeah. the strength of America in the world. I I think he probably wins this election, but I think if he gives them the rope, if as he has too often done lately, if he falls into the traps, if he if he begins to believe that he's invincible, or he becomes sour and just becomes bitter, then I think he he could lose and he could lose big. So I think it's I think it's a jump ball. He's probably behind right now, but I think that people are beginning to focus more on the choice. I mean, the fact that Biden and Harris will not answer media questions, will not subject themselves to press conferences or or serious interviews, I think at some point they're going to pay a price for that. And Joe Biden still has a lot of hills to climb to, to, to appear in public, uh, to give a speech. You know, Brian, just one thing quickly. Biden has been hiding largely for reasons of health. And people, people are on his campaign, apparently, they don't even see him. They all, it's all communicating by phone and Internet. Now, is he, can he be president that way? No. I mean, can, can a president no. hide by himself in the Oval Office? I don't think so. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. It's going to be My exciting. Pleasure. Uh, I write to the New York Post, Fox News contributor. We come back. Your turn, 1-866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
The Brian Kilmeade Show, bringing you breaking news first. Joining us now is uh, John Roberts, uh, right from uh, the White House. Brian, yeah. I'm sorry. Can I put you on hold for a second? I'm sorry. I've got an official I need to talk to right now. You don't want to miss a minute. Can you come back to me in 90 seconds? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be the first to hear it. Hear it first with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. After Kamala Harris was announced as Biden's pick, uh, it says, uh, quote, as Kamala Harris joins Biden's ticket. Yeah, I can, I can hear you. I can hear you. I think someone's calling you, though. But in any case, Senator, I wanted to ask you, it says, yeah, you're getting a phone call. But in any case, all right, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, I think you have a, an urgent phone call. I hope everything's okay. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, urgent phone call. Was that, that was FaceTime, wasn't it, or Skype? Doesn't yeah. Skype do that? That's a Skype call. And it happened several times throughout the interview. That was yeah. just, like, edited together. But, but the, yeah, he just say the same thing every day. He says the same thing all the time. You don't even need to do the interview. Incredible. How, but see, sometimes you have a buzz. I understand you try to ignore it. But why, why was Bernie Sanders not able to pick up that he was getting a phone call? But why is he calling on the like, – why wouldn't they have a separate computer where you're, that's not even going to happen for him? I know. You would think his people would prevent that at this point. It was so funny, though. I was laughing out loud. I agree. Hey, listen, I see your phone calls up there. But we're going to do this quick interview with uh, Ali Beth Stuckey, host of uh, Blaze Media, author of a brand-new book, You're Not Enough, uh, and Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love, which I have to try to escape that because I do love myself a lot. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Hillary Clinton, 30 million people turned into her acceptance speech. 32.2 million turned into Donald Trump's acceptance speech. Let's see how many people turn into Joe Biden's. But this is a critical moment. For the last roughly six months since securing the Democratic nomination, Biden's been content to stay in the basement in Wilmington and basically, you know, like, you know, prevent defense in football or basketball, throw it around the edges, run out the clock, whatever it is. His message has been, I'm not Donald Trump. The convention acceptance speech is going to be the point at which he's going to have to say, this is why you ought to vote for me, because of what I stand for and what I intend to do. And it's going to be a big, important moment. Let's see how many people tune in. Let's see how effectively it's done. And that's uh, the analyst portion of Karl Rove saying that, look, at one point, Joe Biden's got to talk. He's got a campaign, we think. And he's got to tell us what he's going to do if he's president. Not that he's not Donald Trump and Barack Obama liked me. Allie Beth Stuckey knows all about this. She's host of Blaze Media, a uh, Republican strategist and expert insider with a, a woman full of opinions. It's very excited. Uh, she's got a brand new book out called You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. Uh, welcome, Allie. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thank being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, no problem. So I know you're over at the, the Blaze TV now, and I, I want to talk to you about your new book. But also just on what you expect from the DNC, it's like no other. So your guess is as good as mine. It's going to be a roster of well-known speakers, but there's going to be no crowd. 
Right, right. This is going to be very different. And maybe the no crowd is is good for Joe Biden. He seems to be trying to avoid them at all costs right now. And so maybe he just can't really even take the enthusiasm or or take the pressure that a crowd would uh, create. But uh, what Carl Rove said right before this is exactly right. At some point, Joe Biden is going to have to say who he is, why people should vote for him, and why he is a better alternative to Donald Trump. He has failed to do that, and maybe so far that's a good strategy for him. When he does speak, it tends to be extremely uncompelling and uncomfortable, and so maybe it's actually a smart strategy for him to stay hidden away. Uh, but right now he's going to have to he's going to have to face the public. He's going to have to face Democratic uh, voters and finally say what kind of candidate he's going to be. Maybe uh, maybe he's going to get away with it uh, today. Klobuchar, Clyburn, Governor Whitmer. I don't understand the attraction there. Uh, got Governor John Kasich. How do you figure this out? A conservative guy who helped cut the budget uh, in Congress with Newt Gingrich and get the deficit down to zero, becomes a successful governor of of Ohio, but just cannot stand Trump. No, and he has actually tried to convince conservative voters, and particularly conservative Christian voters, to vote for Joe Biden and has tried to to make the case that it's actually voting your conscience to vote for Joe Biden. As someone who is pro-life, I am entirely offended by that argument, considering how radical uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are on abortion. Um, Unfortunately, John Kasich has gone down a very strange path, and yet— seems to lack a lot of self-awareness. I heard him say in an interview the other day that he feels like he has the ability to be able to define conservatism for for conservatives. Um, and Thanks. I just don't think that's the case with him anymore. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Democrats were also trying to get an array of faith leaders to speak. Do you really think they're going to, at this point, try to win over America's Christian or Jewish community? I think they're certainly going to try. Now, as an evangelical Christian, I know that there are other evangelical Christians who maybe don't love Donald Trump. They don't love their rhetoric and or his rhetoric anymore. And so, unfortunately, I do believe that there are some Christians that are going to vote for Joe Biden for a variety um, of reasons. Of course, I think all of those reasons are misguided as someone who claims to vote for Donald Trump. Um, But I think that that is the demographic. That is the group, absolutely, that Democrats have to try very hard to win over. A hard case to make, considering their radicalism on things like abortion and lawlessness. Um, But we'll see if they're able to make it. So you have your first book out called You're Not Enough and That's Okay. Tell me what prompted you to write it. Yeah, so I host a podcast, Relatable. We talk about news, culture, politics, theology from a Christian conservative perspective. A couple of years ago, the woman who listened to my podcast started reaching out to me about this subject that probably everyone I follow is talking about self-love and how important it is for uh, for me to put me first and to basically put myself in the center of my universe. And I'm doing this, but hey, I'm still miserable. So what's the deal? Can you give me some advice? Can you give me some insight? So I kind of started looking into this self-love movement, which is just a new generation of the self-esteem movement, which has been around for a long time. The idea that in order for society to be in a good place, we all just need to think more highly of ourselves and do the things that we want to do. Unfortunately, that's leading a lot of people to glorify narcissism. It's leading a lot of young people, especially um, into a life that is defined by selfishness and self-centeredness. And unfortunately, it's leading people personally 
into a lot of misery and anxiety. And societally, um, it's leading, unfortunately, to uh, a stage of postmodernism and moral relativism that, as we can see, isn't working out very well. So one thing you could do, if you find yourself uh, focusing on yourself too much, start doing things for other people. And you feel exactly. much better about yourself when you do than anything else, correct? Exactly. We talk a lot in this book about the importance of faith, the importance of family, the importance of working hard for the sake of working hard, not just when it's fun or convenient, committing yourself to things that are bigger than you, being involved in your community, being involved in your church, exactly like what you said, uh, loving other people even before you love yourself or seeking the interests of other people, and just realizing that it's really good news that life isn't all about us that life isn't all about what we think about ourselves or what other people think of us. Uh, Life is about, I believe, one, your faith in your relationship with God through Christ, but also making the world around you better by being productive and cultivating this tiny plot of earth that God has placed you on. And that is really our purpose. And in serving other people, rather than just continually serving ourselves, we will find the joy and the fulfillment that we're trying and failing to find through narcissism. Uh, Allie Beth uh, Stuckey is with us, and she's giving a a perspective on her book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay. So what about what's uniquely uh, female about that? What about for a woman from which you can ascertain from researching the book? What's the special challenge for women listening? Yes, so we are the ones that are mostly bombarded by this message that you are enough, which basically means you're enough for your own happiness and satisfaction. You're even enough to determine your own truth and and all this stuff. And the reason why it's targeted towards women and especially young moms is because women do tend to deal, especially with things like insecurity and inadequacy, feeling like we can't measure up to all the different societal standards that are placed on us. So This message of self-love is well-intentioned because it is meant to make us feel better about ourselves. The problem is uh, the self can't be both the problem and the solution. So we're looking inside of ourselves to the answers that ourselves are – to the problems that ourselves are creating. Um, It's an emotional message, and so a lot of young people are attracted to it. But again – It is just a glorified and trendy way to lead people down the path of self-centeredness to the path of rejecting hard things, rejecting inconvenience, rejecting sacrifice, rejecting being a part of uh, marriage, family, community, and all of these things. And it's just making people, and I would say women especially, more miserable. The younger generations report higher instances of uh, loneliness, of purposelessness, of isolation and depression. So this message of self-love simply isn't working. I hear you. It's very unique. This is your first book. It's a very unique uh, area in which you delve into. And it's easy to say, you know, thinking grow rich. It's easy to talk about power of um, positive thinking. And you're saying, well, there's there's positive thinking, but you got to be thinking about somebody else in order to really uh, find that happiness. Uh, You're Not Enough and That's Okay is the name of the book, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. Allie Beth Sucky, thanks so much. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Talk to you soon. Uh, Meanwhile, let's go to the phones. Ann lists on WABC in East East Brunswick, New Jersey. Hey, Ann. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for taking my phone call. No problem. What's Um, on your mind? 
Yeah, a couple of different things. And first, I'd like to say that um, evangelicals voted for Trump the first time, and he was even more brash the first time around. This guy can walk and chew gum at the same time. People understand he needs to fight back, you know, with the left and their lies and you, the you media. Because yeah. Ali Beth so, said that a lot of the evangelicals didn't yeah. like his style. Right, right. And so I don't want to really put too much emphasis on that. I just wanted to quickly say that. Okay. Um, but it was a great interview, obviously, Brian. Um, what I want to ask you is, because I'm very, very extremely nervous about, yet once again, you know, what the left is capable of doing, and Republicans really not standing up to the left all these years. And I think in this case, Republicans need to do something. Can, can the president, with executive authority, somehow – Place strong stipulations on mail-in ballots at the very least, making sure people making sure. No, believe it or not, it's a state thing. Uh, believe it or not, Ann, it's a. I've, I'm, yes. I've learned that it's a state thing. These states are making their own decisions. The federal government can sue these states that they that they feel is not going uh, by the Constitution. Okay, so, so that is an option for the yeah. president. Is what you're saying. And they're suing in Pennsylvania, I believe. And I believe they're looking at a legal uh, lawsuit over in in Nevada. And what they're doing in New Jersey is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I'm from New Jersey. And I I feel like, you know, this one person, one vote thing is just gone completely by the wayside because, you know, the left is always painting the narrative and they're, they're, they fulfill their narrative. And the narrative is based on lies and it's based on corruption and with the phony Russian hoax. You know, it, I just feel like we as Republicans need to do more than preach, need to do more than just get on TV and make speeches about how wrong the Democrat Party is. I think that we have the power. We have the Constitution behind us. And we have people like you, Brian. That are on the air that you and you do a phenomenal job at, you know, getting the word out and make and exposing the Democrat Party for all of their misdeeds and their lies. Well, I'll tell you what, though, the best thing for Republicans is to point out the chaos in these cities and their lack of interest in straightening it out and the way they sold the cops out to the rioters. And basically said, don't use pepper spray, don't use stun guns, uh, don't use mounted police. So forget about all your tactics that brought peace and civility to these cities. Throw it all in the street. And I think people are seeing that's what you're going to get. But what the president's got to do is reassure people that he's the right person with the pandemic, that there's only so much he could do anyway, uh, and he's and he's basically doing all he can. Because almost every poll shows it's the pandemic, number one, and everything else, number two. Steve, WABC in Queens. Hey, Steve. Brian, how are you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, Brian, uh, first of all, I just want to say we got to get President Trump back elected because if the Communist Liberal Party, which is the Democratic Party, gets back in, this country is going down to tubes. That's number one. <laughs> um, as far as a uh, couple of issues with, with uh, voting, Brian, I came up with this idea. Um, I think the voting should be done through each state's Department of Motor Vehicle. This way, everybody has a license. You put your license number in, it's already legit, and anybody who doesn't have a license could use an absentee ballot. Because we know if you do mail-in votes, it's all going to be a sham. And nobody's bringing up that uh, Trump, uh, you know, voters could also scam. Oh, yeah. It's not just for Trump. It's just to make the election. We want the real winner, and we want it on Election Day most possible. You know, if you have to do a recount, that's different. But if we have to wait for ballots for weeks, you saw what happened in Arizona— you know, it looked like uh, McSally won. 
She was up by two points. She ends up losing by four. Because as they counted the ballots that came in Arizona, they came in late and they went for the uh, for cinema. So even if it's 100% above board, really as a country, we want a winner on Election Day and a different winner after, and we're supposed to accept that? I don't think so. Listen, I see everybody up there. I'm going to get to all of you. I'll try when we get back. one 866 We're talking about the convention, what's going to be taking place tonight. And the fact is the president's going to be uh, out and about today. Uh, he is... Uh, wheels up about 30 minutes ago. The president will sign a declaration declaring National Suffrage Day month. He already did that. He's going to travel to Arizona on um, on Tuesday. Today he's going to be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and he's going to be in Mankato, Minnesota. Mankato, I should say. So he's got a real busy day, and he's not sitting idly by watching the convention, which will be a Trump bash fest. He's on the ground in battleground states. Interesting tactic. So, Brian Kilmeade Show, back with your calls in just a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. What President Trump wants is a fair election. If you have a tried and true system where they've been doing it like absentee ballots, where there's uh, some security mechanisms built in, uh, that's totally acceptable. That's a great thing to do. But you can't have a new system being tried where there's not the right time to do it and expect them to get it right and then expect that Americans will have confidence in the elections. Very, very simple. Rhetoric aside, Jared Kushner makes a perfect argument. Listen, you want the post? I'm not mad at the post office. Uh, They run a deficit. But you can't expect states to just get ready to mail everybody out a ballot and then receive that ballot and get it to elections, get it to the election officials by Election Day, let alone the people that show up on Election Day. And then wonder, are they voting twice or are either one going to count? Do they change their mind from November 3rd to October 1st when they first mailed it in? So Jared Kushner made a solid case, but Margaret Brennan wasn't having any of it. She is the angriest host I've ever seen on a Sunday show. Unless, of course, you're talking to a Democrat. Uh, Jason, listening on on the app in Vermont. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Uh, good, good, good to hear from you. First time caller. Um, originally, I'm from California, and I feel like there was a kind of systemic uh, pressure for me to be able to register as a Democrat, whether it was from the uh, the teachers, the schools, uh, the community, uh, and that's how I was and have been registered. Um, you know, since this pandemic has actually occurred, it's made me kind of step out of my box and think about what do I want? I'm a capitalist. I've started a couple of businesses. Uh, one of the reasons I moved to Vermont was because of that reason. And, um, you know, I, I joke that I listen to CNN and Fox News back and forth to be able to try to get both sides or as many pieces to the puzzle as I can, because I I am really more of a a moderate, but I I do enjoy um, the success of our country on the financial piece. And and, uh, I got a call yesterday from a uh, Trump, or I'm sorry, a Biden supporter um, in regards to securing my vote. Um, And when I talked to him intelligently about it, and we talked for maybe 10 minutes, he kind of said, you're right. Biden wasn't my first choice. I was looking and hoping for Booker. Um, and I said, well, you know, if, if Andrew, I liked Andrew Yang, I mean, it just, it, to me, I took a, 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 you know, a deep gasp of air and I said, well, your job is to, to get my vote for Biden. And you're now admitting 
that, uh, right. that he wasn't your Especially first in California. Choice. You see the story in the Daily Wire, uh, in the Daily Mail, picked up by the Daily Wire. They have the, the Daily Mail claims that the rich and famous are all leaving Los Angeles. They have specific numbers. Everybody's getting out. And in, when, because of the homeless has gotten so bad, they have absolutely no rights to kick them out of their own neighborhood. Gold's Gym is closed up. Venice Beach is overrun with homeless. And Malibu, of course, where all the rich and famous, Leonardo DiCaprio and everybody is, they make sure, the cops make sure no homeless get there. But all these liberal policies ruin cities, and then the liberals leave. They shouldn't be allowed to leave. Nancy Pelosi shouldn't be allowed to go anywhere. These rich and famous and these arrogant, uh, successful people who think they know better. And if you come down and say uh, the homeless taking over the streets is not okay, and uh, maybe people squatting in your property is not all right. And I don't want to apologize for being successful. You're vilified. But now all these cities are being ruined and all these people are leaving with their liberal views intact bringing them to the electoral process, which is why Texas is even close today. Should not be allowed. Brian Kilmeade, Joe. Go to briankilmeade.com or any of my books, including Thomas Jefferson, The Tripoli Pirates. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade, Brian Kilmeade Show, coming your way. Milwaukee is where we find Brett Baer. He's going to do his coverage with Martha McCallum. That's where the DNC was supposed to take place. Actually, Washington is where Brett's going to be coming from. I don't think he's actually going because no one else is going. The vice president's not going to his own convention. He's already nominated, so there's no drama. Big roster of speakers and entertainers, that'll be fine. Can't get that unless you have YouTube or iTunes. Okay, wait a second, everyone's got that. We understand the celebrity vote belongs with Democrats. Always will be, and nothing will really change. Also in New York, another horrible weekend. 76 shot, 14 dead. And the governor doesn't blame the mayor. Now he blames the president. Nice guy, right? This is a guy, president, he's begging to get tunnels and bridge money for. But then he vilifies him and says he's responsible for death. Big three. As the cases start to decline in the southern states, Arizona, Texas, Florida, we're starting to see infections pick up in other parts of the country. Really the only state that seems to have come down quite a bit of the epidemic sunbelt states is Arizona. And there you go, Scott Gottlieb talking about the states that are going down with numbers, but Florida's going down too. California is not. Uh, the coronavirus, getting back to school is key. Cases rising in 10 states, deaths in nine states, but how the new saliva test can help, it'll make it easier for businesses, sports, and schools. Number two. The genesis of the crime, you're going to have a great debate about. Trump, there are good people on both sides. Ku Klux Klan. So I think Trump has some liability for the increase in the crime. Ridiculous. Law enforcement was left alone, and now they are leaving us alone. The men and women of blue are stepping back, and I don't blame them. Long waits for 911 calls in Portland, Chicago, New York. Some go unanswered, and responses are at very least delayed. And when it comes to Manhattan, guess who the governor blames for the 76 shootings and 14 deaths? You just heard him. Number one. Whatever it is, his message has been, I'm not Donald Trump. The convention acceptance speech is going to be the point at which he's going to have to say, this is why you ought to vote for me. 
That is Karl Rove using his brilliant analysis. 2020, a campaign like no other and back-to-back virtually virtual can, uh, conventions like no other. What the polls say about this race right now, the DNC in night one, and how the Trump team will break tradition and fight through the DNC during the DNC. Interesting. So what's going to be taking place tonight? Well, first off, I'll tell you about the president. He left, first took some questions from press. I'll travel to Mankato, Minnesota, and then I'll go to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And then the president on Tuesday will sign a declaration uh, making August National Suffrage Month. He's also going to travel to Yuma, Arizona, to visit and speak about the border. That'll be important. Then he'll host the prime minister of Iraq at the White House, then travel to Old Forge, Pennsylvania. The vice president will be in Wisconsin. Why is that important? Because the DNC is happening. And normally the RNC wouldn't be able to get any or any Republican candidate wouldn't be able to get any attention. So they wouldn't do much. But I don't know. Amy Klobuchar is going to get a lot of cameras. Gretchen Whitmer of of Michigan. Jim Clyburn, congressman from South Carolina. Uh, Gwen Moore, Doug Jones, John Kasich, Bernie Sanders. And the big one would be Michelle Obama, who says just the thought of President Trump makes her depressed. Too bad. CBS did an online poll of Democrats and said, which of these people would you like to hear speak at the DNC? By the way, no crowd, obviously, so it's not going to be emotional. Uh, It's going to be hard to get a read on anything. Uh, AOC, 63 percent said yes. More than Bill Clinton, only at 56 percent. I mean, with Bill Clinton on Jeffrey Epstein's plane in the front seat, should he really be speaking anywhere? John Kasich, 38 percent. The CBS battle crown checker. Uh, be going into this. Now they'll get a little bit of a bump. Has the president trailing on the real clear politics by 4.4% on battleground. Over, you know where he was with Hillary Clinton at this point? 4.9%. So he's actually doing better now, despite the pandemic, than he did in 2016, when everyone basically thought he lost already. But the polls are coming in, and the Wall Street Journal has the president trailing by nine. All right, that's fine. We have the Fox News poll, basically the same thing. But now, um, likely voters, according to CBS, 52-42, so it's 10. Then CNN does a poll. They did a poll in June, and it was 55-41 in favor of Biden. It is now 50-46. to That is almost within the margin of error, which we CNN lives in the margin of error. Uh, Trump over Biden, 56-40, and now it's close. Uh, 56-40, I should say, when it comes to mail votes. So it's now tipping towards Trump. And voters between the age of 35 and 64 tilting towards Trump. Among independents, Biden had a 52 percentage lead over the Bushes, excuse me, over Trump's 41. But now it's basically even. Independents divided evenly, 46, 45 in favor of that one point in favor of Biden, which means it's negligible and non-existent. Wall Street Journal's got a big gap. Trump scores 10 percentage higher than Biden on, on which candidates best handle the economy. The reverse who's best handled the pandemic. And right now, the pandemic is number one. But the big controversy is the post office mail-in voting. This is going to screw everything up. I don't have nothing against letter carriers or people who work behind the glass. They're asking them to quadruple while they're cutting, being cut back. Quadruple their workload in these states, do something they've never done before, while being told they're way over budget and cutting back personnel to try to get within budget. So Patterson ends up a bitter dispute in election, special election. And they find ballots on the floor after the final tallies were given. So Governor Phil Murphy's asked about this. You just want all mail-in ballot despite having screwy special elections with mail-in ballots. Cut 11. 
Well, you say you have a history of it, but let's let's review that history because you had some problems in your primary last month. Some people got the wrong ballots. Some people didn't get ballots at all. You had a different election in Patterson, New Jersey in May, and four people were charged with with voter fraud for harvesting ballots. I mean, that doesn't sound like a very good record, sir. So, Chris, the, the Patterson experience was a local election in May before the primary. I actually view that uh, differently. I view that as a positive data point. Some guys try to screw around with the system. They got caught by law enforcement. They've been indicted. They'll pay a price. New Jersey, uh, NewJersey.com has this story about Patterson. Vote-by-mail ballots for Patterson Municipal Council elections in May were improperly delivered to numerous apartment buildings in the city. That, according to a finding by the United States Postal Service investigation, a postal worker left behind ballots on the hallway floor instead of putting them in individual mailboxes because he says his access key was not working. Do you really want this in every state? Do you think this is partisan? You think $25 billion is going to fix all that irresponsibility? It's not. So here's what Barack Obama is trying to say. They're trying to sit the ground that the president's trying to steal an election. And he won't leave when he leaves, uh, when he loses. When neither thing is happening. Cut 15. What we've never seen before is a president say, I'm going to try to actively kneecap the Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> to encourage voting. And I will be explicit about the reason I'm doing it. Yeah. That's sort of unheard of. Right. And when you talk about the post office, nobody ever put down the post office. Like, for example, Barack Obama in 2009, he would never put down the post office. Cut 16. If you think about, if you, if you think about it, uh, you know, UPS and FedEx are doing just fine. Right. The, the uh, no, they are. I mean, it's it's the post office that's always having problems. Funny, right? Hysterical. How dare President Trump put down the post office? That doesn't sound like something that Barack Obama would do in 2016. You know, he recommended they lay off 12,000 workers to try to get their budget in line. And instead of ultimately doing that, they decide to just make the hours less. So they pay people the same but they just don't give them the name hours. So they're all getting a pay cut. It's it's a joke. Now, there's letter carriers listening to us right now. I think it's great. And people work in the post office, great pride, and I think it's fantastic. Nothing to do with that. If all of a sudden I walked into work and my job was seven times as hard, and there was a deadline to get it done and had much more responsibility, I put my hand up and go, listen, uh, why didn't my manager go to bat for me? Well, in this case, the president's the manager. And at stake is the presidency of the United States and the balance of the power in the Senate and the House. So to me, it's worth standing up for. And it's not a matter of putting down postal workers. They are totally skewing this. And now we have Nancy Pelosi being forced to bring her people back Thursday through Saturday and have a vote about funding the post office. It's not going to get funded unless you come across with other things that are going to help the country. So we're going to listen to the convention tonight. It's going to be all about the post office and the president trying to steal an election. But keep in mind, they also did a Harvard-Harris poll. And they said, ask Democrats, what do you want to hear tonight? Bashing the president or about the uh, Democratic agenda? 81% said Democratic agenda in the teens for bashing the president. I'm not kidding. Keep that in mind. one 866 I'll take some of your calls everywhere from WHIO to the villages in Florida to New Jersey, WABC and Lake Havishar, Arizona, and Key Largo, Florida. Back in a moment. 
This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. We all know we're in a pandemic. No one denies that. Would you be open to doing anything different than November 3rd? Would you be open to November 2nd? Would you be open to voting through the weekend to give people a chance to socially distance? Would you support more locations, National Guard working? Would, yeah. would you sit down and, and try to work some adjustments in? I would support all of that. That's what you want to do. And people, you know, we voted during World War I. We voted during World War II. We voted during many crises. I mean, we voted like nobody would believe we'd never had a problem. Now we have problems. Look at Carolyn Maloney, the, the horrible right. thing that took place in New York just now. They still don't know what. And they're declaring her a winner, and they have no idea where the ballots are, where the, where the votes are. And that's the key. Oh, time and time again, we're just seeing that if they can't pull it off in provisional these small elections, why should we turn over the presidential election, the U.S. Senate, over to a system which is clearly flawed? It's unbelievable that we're still having problems with this, and this is even a debate. Matt, listen to Key Largo, Florida. Hey, Matt. Matt, you're on. Lisa, listen to Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Brian. I've got a couple points. Number one, I'm a senior. I rely on the post office. My mail, some nights, I don't. we don't even get it. Um, this is being done during a pandemic. We've known about the problems at the post office, as you pointed out for years. Don't tell me that just a couple months before the election, this isn't being done for political reasons, because Donald Trump said so on your show. The other thing, all those things that he talked about that we could do, fine, get it started. Have a national plan for drive-by voting or whatever you want to do. But I don't see him with any kind of a national plan to make voting better. I think that's a fair criticism. I think that's a fair criticism. He's got to change. He's got to acknowledge the pandemic's out there and say, listen, uh, let's not make the post office good or bad. It's nothing to do with that. They're just not equipped to handle What's happening? And these governors are being very political. Why would Nevada just say, I'm going to do mail-in voting? Really? Why? New Jersey just suppressed all their numbers. They told everybody, go back to school and play sports. But they can't stand in line. In fact, they can't stand in line and and vote. Instead of saying you have more of an option, ask for the ballot. If you ask for the ballot, that's different than just getting the ballot. Yes, that's true. That's true. I agree. Now, here in Kansas City, during the primary, there were only 60 polling places versus four years ago, there were 142. That's because they didn't have enough places big enough, you know, for social distancing. You know, we we have it planned like we should. You know, we this, you know, we need we should have started planning for this way back. So I'm just and I request my ballot and then um, I am ill. So I don't have to get my notarized. But anyone else has to get theirs notarized. That's just how it is in Missouri. All right. Thanks so much for the call. Great points. President's got to go present something else. Get the pressure off the post office, period. But New Jersey, I don't get. I appreciate that Governor Mercy Murphy is a liberal Democrat from Wall Street, doesn't go out of his way to make it personal with the president. In fact, he gets much more done because he doesn't. 
Even yesterday, I didn't take the bait with Chris. Here's Chris Christie. He used to be New Jersey's guy. Cut 21. In our home, my home state of New Jersey, we still have people waiting in line six, seven, eight hours at motor vehicle to get licenses and registrations and license plates. Our governor's permitting that, but somehow to stand in line to vote is, is much too dangerous. But standing in line that the motor vehicle is okay, um, it seems to me we have our priorities backwards. Absolutely. Let's go now. Let's go to Matt in Key Largo, Florida. Hey, Matt. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. It's been about four years since I called you. I used to call you all the time. Matt from Key Largo. All right. Uh, yeah, I know you don't remember. Anyway, so... Here's the thing. I am so glad you brought up Patterson, New Jersey. Every time I listen to national news, they say the president, with no evidence, talks about voter fraud. And there it is, Patterson, New Jersey. They never report it. CNN, CBS, all the other ones. And even Fox has been a little bit light on it. They don't dwell on it. But, you know, that's between you and the news people. But the point is, is that there is a lot of voter fraud. That's the why the Democrats want mass mail-in voters. They know there's voter fraud. They want to implement voter fraud. That's the way they win. That's the only way they can win. Yeah, I don't know why this became a partisan issue, uh, because Joe Biden could want seniors. Joe Biden's doing very well with seniors. Well, who usually wants the mail-in voting? Who wants the mail-in because of the pandemic? It might be seniors, because they're the ones who have to be extra careful. So who knows? That could work on his behalf. If you could find a way for the senior votes to get caught, counted. But you know what's no, going to happen? We're going to get like 25 states in and 25 states are still going to be counting ballots. Some states, you don't have to mail it out until the day before the election. So yeah, what, no, but my, my point is, is that, no, the Democrats want mail-in voting because of vote harvesting, which I think in either Nevada, Colorado, they just made it uh, OK to do that as long as you don't get paid. They want mail-in voting because they know they can corrupt it, because they've done it in Patterson, New Jersey. Those weren't Republicans uh, doing that. The Republicans were indicted. They were Democrats. And they point out that statistically, there's not a lot of evidence of voter fraud. Well, you know what, Brian? I drive the highway every day. I speed every day. Don't tell anyone who I am. And I don't get caught. And yet, statistically, I wouldn't show up, but I'm doing it every day. That's the point. I know. Just because you don't get caught doesn't mean it's not happening. Matt, thank you. Mike on WABC in New York. Mike. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Good. Uh, Essential worker here in New York State. I haven't missed it. You know, I work at the New York State Psychiatric Center. I haven't missed a day of work the entire COVID crisis. All right, no $600 for me. I'm working every day. Uh, Question for you. Good job. at this point, one of the most frustrating things for me is, are there any credible sources left? I mean, it, it seems like, a, you know, whether it's Democrat or Republican, you know, you quote, uh, you know, a, 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 a well-established publication, and if it's a, you know, conservative publication or conservative uh, slanted publication, the, the liberals don't believe it. If it's and vice versa, the conservatives don't believe anything. So... I, I'm looking and I'm saying, well, what's what's what do we have to start uh, believing? What what can we believe still? So I and and I wanted to talk about the the COVID crisis here in New York State. And- well, real quick, I think that's really going to help New York State is a saliva test. We get it instantly. It'll be about 15 minutes, and we leave right with it. No penetrating swabs. You don't need the swab. You don't need the reagent. You don't need the week off. Now I think this is that's really going to be revolutionary. So I think that's going to help in New York. we got to get that. And at least uh, we did a good job getting the numbers under one. 
This way we can play sports, maybe watch a Yankee game, a Met game, uh, a Jet game, a Giant game, and work out in a gym and bowl. Wow. And watch a movie. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Joe is shot. Let's face it. Joe is shot. Now, maybe people are going to feel sorry for him and maybe he wouldn't, but our country is too important for that. You're dealing with people that are very sharp. You're dealing with world-class chess players in the leaders of these countries. I know them all. We do very well with all of them. Erdogan of Turkey, uh, all of them. You can't have a guy that's shot. You can't have a guy that doesn't know where he is. You can't have a guy that's afraid to leave his basement because he can't speak any longer. And that's what the president Philly is going up against with Joe Biden. Joining us now is Brett Baer as we get set to our virtual convention with the DNC. And Brett's going to be doing the coverage with Martha McCallum tonight. Brett, you've had a lot of unique challenges in your career. This is definitely different. What's your approach? Uh, just to be fair, uh, it's going to be an interesting two weeks here, DNC, then RNC. I'm, I'm uh, walking the back alleys now to our set as I'm one lucky guy in about uh, 25 minutes. But uh, but we're set up overlooking the White House, and uh, it's going to be fascinating, not only because these parties have to figure out how to be exciting, but um, there's a lot of substance and a lot of um, like really important things that both parties have to talk about. But, it, yeah, is this stuff uh, – it, it's not going to have any – there's no crowd, right? So when you deliver a message, it's going to almost be like a church. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some production value, Brian, and, and there'll be a pool feed. Um, and I think from what we've heard, there'll be cameras all over the country kind of reacting to different speeches. Uh, but it's not like they're in the room. So it's sort of like one of those union response videos. Remember, like Bobby Jindal or Marco Rubio? It's a tough thing to do if you don't get the feedback of a big crowd. Right. So how do you plan on doing it, knowing that some of this stuff is going to be taped, right? Well, it's going to – some of it will be taped. Some of it will be live. And, um, you know, we'll take what the DNC and then the next week the RNC gives us as far as the pool feed. And then in between, we'll be able to, um, you know, offer analysis and, and talk with our panel and the best in the business. Britt Hume, Chris Wallace, Dana, Juan, everybody. Cast of thousands. Cast of thousands, and normally we'd all be there, and you'd be lucky enough you would have an opportunity to hang out with me. Wouldn't it can guarantee that's it? True. But that's not going to happen now. Have you I have know, you gauged the public reaction to that? We, I mean, it's we've taken a lot of polls, and there's a lot of sadness. Right? Did you get likely voters? <laughs> <laughs> because that's it key. Registered, registered. Right, registered. Okay, that's even better. <laughs> so, so uh, a couple of things going on. I mean, do you believe we're debating the post office? The efficiency of the post office. Yeah, I did not have that on my bingo card for August in election coverage. Um, But it's a serious issue. And it is – listen, there's one side of it that the post office was screwed up well before all of this. Uh, But the allegation is is that, you know, obviously the Trump campaign, Democrats say, is trying to screw it up even more to kind of throw a wrench in, in the plans. 
you know, I, I think there's two sides of this story, and then we have to make sure we cover all sides. The post office handles 471 million pieces of mail every day. Uh, 100 million ballots over a month they should be able to handle. And, um, you know, what, what is the $25 billion for? They get $55 million already from, from Congress. So I think there are questions that have to be asked, um, but legitimate so, and I think the House is going to, you know, call it emergency hearing on the way, uh, on the way to resolution of this. And here's the thing. And it's really just say post office needs to be respected or we have it and we can do it. Uh, Trump's trying to destroy it. It's such as a simple and accurate argument. It's that if Brett Baer knows he's going to be on the road and is going to miss the election, you can't vote November 3rd. So you're going to be you're off that week, which would be typical. Brett, you always take off right before an election. So you're <laughs> you're you're away. You're in Europe. Right. So you're going to fill out an absentee ballot. You're going to go get it. You're going to file it. That's right. different than a, a ballot arriving at your house that you didn't ask for. And you say to yourself, well, am I filling this out or am I going to the ballot box? I haven't really done this before. This happened to me in my local election this time. They didn't even provide an opportunity to vote in person. So now all right. of a sudden you're figuring, all right, ballot, you know, the booths are open. I got this at my house. What should I do? And then the question is, do you still live there? And the question is, when the ballot got there, does your wife fill it out for you because that's your relationship? That's really going against one person, one vote. Or does one person in the House fill out every ballot and just mail it without telling people? And there's no certification that it's you. That's what gets people very uneasy. And then it gets into the postal system where is it picked up? Is it delivered? Is it counted? Did you do it right? Yeah. So there's two different sides. And I think the absentee thing, obviously, you request a ballot, you get a ballot. And it's still a question of the mail you know, being able to get through all of that. But the mail-in ballots for states that have not done it before, that's really the, the, the thing that's the sticking point for the Trump campaign. And that, you know, like states that haven't done this mass mailing to every registered voter, and then they're starting it, you know, right before a primary, New Jersey is an example of that, or just before an election, it's not like somebody like Colorado, who's been doing it for years and years, or Florida. Um, so it's different different animals. Here's what Mark Meadows said, White House Chief of Staff, with Jake Tapper yesterday, Cut 20. I'm concerned because of the pandemic. Will you send me an absentee ballot that comes directly to me? I certify that. I have a signature requirement that makes sure that it's me that's actually voting, and I send it back. I don't have right. a problem with that. The president doesn't have a problem with that. What he's against is changing the process to make it a universal. So we'll clear it up right now. Changing the process to say that we're going to send ballots to everybody uh, so that you can have all this potential for, for fraudulent behavior with, mm -hmm. with ballots that are going to other people. That's what he's against. It's just a logical argument. It's not, it's not ideological. Yeah, I think there's a happy medium here. I mean, there could be states that do it, um, but it doesn't make it universal. If they don't have the, the infrastructure, the logistics to be able to handle it now, and it's already set up prior to this election, you got to deal with what you've dealt with. I mean, maybe that's the rule. Um, but there are some states who've done it for years and years and do it very well. Some states mail them out and they throw out thousands and thousands of ballots that are either not signed, not dated properly, uh, don't have the, the 
you know, the check. I mean, there are systems in some states that really do work in mail-in ballots across the board. But for the most part, every state just does absentee ballots. Right. Uh, the absentee ballots, unless it's something I believe Oregon and Colorado's got it down. Washington might mm-hmm. uh, might be uh, pretty confident Florida. at it. So when we talk about the violence in the cities, uh, I'm fascinated because the protest, racial equality, seems to have been smothered by organized infiltration. That was picked up by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and she talked about it on the face of the nation yesterday. Cut 27. What we've also seen is people who have embedded themselves in these seemingly peaceful protests and come for a fight. So what happened yesterday was really over very quickly because our police department is resolved to make sure that we protect peaceful protests. But unfortunately, uh, what happened in the looting last Sunday night, which absolutely was a planned attack, it's not spontaneous when you bring U-Haul trucks, cargo vans, and high-end robbery tools. And we could say this is happening relatively in Portland, Seattle, uh, Chicago. It happened for a couple of weeks in New York. And the question is, who are these people and how do they differ, if at all, from people who want to see more racial equality in our country? Right. I mean, it's a different um, mindset. It's a different goal. And um, I I think there is a, a clear distinction. Uh, between the peaceful protests uh, and and what we see devolving in a lot of these cities late at night. Uh, I think that it's good for the mayor of Chicago to to get there and speak about it. Uh, For a while, that was not the talking point uh, from mayors and um, state officials in places like Chicago and also um, in Portland. Here's the problem. When I watch the NBA games, when we watch uh, MLS games, you see Black Lives Matter. I, uh, while the phrase matters, I'm not sure the organization does. And this is where I think this conversation's heading. So when the mayor comes out and says somebody's infiltrated these racial justice organizations, sadly, uh, Black Lives Matter Chicago says, no, no, excuse me, it's me. Cut 28. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's, or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it, because these businesses have insurance. That's a Black Lives Matter activist and one of the leaders, Ariel Atkins. Yeah, I, and so that doesn't help their cause. And um, and that's part of the issue is there's not one leader uh, to this group. There's individual leaders in all these di- different places. The bottom line is that, um, you know, the law and order thing for the Trump campaign does work if this continues at this level. Uh, and, you know, the question is whether there will be, you know, comments about it in the DNC this week about uh, keeping peace on the streets. I'm excited to see you on Outnumbered in 15 minutes. At one point, you're going to bring up something that we talked about. And if you could say, as I brought up on Brian Kilmeade's radio show, I would appreciate it. 100% I will do it. Thank you. 100%. You've been in that center seat a lot, so I think I owe that to you. (laughs) Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Have a great show. Have a great convention. Talk to you again. 1-866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. genesis of the crime you're gonna have a great debate about but the trump economy trump not providing covid relief 
George Floyd murder, Trump's response to the George Floyd murder, race relations stress, Trump, there are good people on both sides, Ku Klux Klan. So I think Trump has some liability. Done. For the increase in the crime. How, how embarrassing is that? And we're carried to a, a WABC and WRCN here in New York. How embarrassing is that? This governor is lauded. He'll have a speaking spot tonight. I guess he plans on blaming the pandemic and the crime on President Trump. I actually didn't see that coming. When you talk about Charlottesville, that's a conversation. Everybody knows. We played it back. He was commenting on people trying to protect statues, not on the skinheads. Number two you blame his George Floyd reaction? Why? He admitted it was wrong right away. He was horrified by it. He had trouble watching it right away and talked about what he's done. The racial unrest has been in the hands of the mayors who have, de- who have, who have emasculated the police departments from Chicago to Portland to Seattle uh, and, of course, New York. But you know this already. And please don't fall for that. You could be the biggest Trump hater in the world. There's plenty of stuff for you to jump on. Uh, law and order is not one of his weaknesses. Tom, let's see on KFTK in St. Louis. Hey, Tom. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. Thanks for listening. What's on your mind? Yeah, hopefully you'll give me about 40 seconds to get this out, and then I'll get off of here. I wanted to say uh, Biden, Harris, both Obamas, Clinton, Sanders, and the squad, they're going to have a staged play for the American public with a lie of a better America they're purposely lying about. It would be China, America, and I'm definitely not being sarcastic, you know, lying to get votes for the communist agenda, which basically I think they're using BLM for their narrative right now until after the election, then they're not going to care. Unlike Trump, which has basically done everything he's ran on while being attacked by the weapon of mass destruction, which is CNN, destroying his his credibility every day, you know, and I, he's not perfect. I love my country, though. I love my freedoms. I love my liberties, and I love my president. So that's one you. thing I want. Tom, one thing I wanted to say. Are you another, converted? Why, why, are you are you convert? Are you converted Trump supporter, or are you always been? I voted for him the first time. I'm going to vote for him again. You know, and that's another thing I wanted to say is they had that first election rigged as well, and they lost. And they're preparing for that this time. So if it doesn't go in their favor this time, my worry is. They're going to say that they didn't come up with the, you know, the result they wanted. So whenever that gets drawn out long enough, Nancy Pelosi gets put in there. And I can't even sleep at night thinking about that. Tom, that's not going to happen. What they're trying to do is set this up. They keep saying this over and over again for the whole different surrogates. Trump is not going to want to leave. He's going to lose. He's going to refuse to leave. Why do they keep saying this? It's one of those unique scenarios where I'm concerned I'm going to play a game and I'm going to get hit by lightning. Why would you keep bringing that up? It's almost impossible to think that he is going to lose an election and stay. Loretta Lynch was the last one to get that question over the weekend. That seems to be concerted. Um, Marsha, listening online in the villages. Marsha. Excuse me, Mark. Listening in the villages. Hey, Mark. Brian D. Hey, Brian. You can call me anything you want. <laughs> um, two things, or three, th- three quick things. Uh, Seminole County schools have opened up here in Florida today. Secondly, did you see the amount of boaters that came that. out in Clearwater yesterday? was phenomenal. And lastly, did you hear the BLM walked into a Sturgis um, rally yesterday and are lucky they got out of there when they did? 
This Black Lives Matter is a problem in this country. People are going to start protecting themselves, especially after what they did to this kid yesterday, and he's in the hospital in critical condition. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And I heard about that flotilla. You got to look online at some of those pictures. Let's find out if there's more to know. All right. More Americans go hungry amid the coronavirus pandemic, the census shows. As of last month, 12.1 percent of adults live in households that don't have enough to eat, uh, up from 9.8 in early May. The data came from a weekly survey. You don't think about that. 10 percent unemployment. But you went from zero from being flushed to not having a job now for seven months. No, I know. And I mean, it goes again, like just two Americas, the rich are getting richer, the poor, like struggling more and more. And then the other irony is that the other people are just getting fatter, too, because they're just staying at home and eating. I know. And they're not working out. And the gyms have been closed. And you can't if you are a waiter or a waitress or a bartender or a manager. Uh, you're not able to have a living because you're not making any tips. You, and you might not even be back. Next. New Zealand is going to delay their election until October because of the coronavirus. Can you imagine if they tried that here? I think you have to have an election. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced early Monday that the country's general election will be delayed. The postponement will be uh, September 19th election. They'll now be October 17th. Ardern insisted she would not move the election date again. Quote, I have absolutely no intention at all to change at this point. Uh, the country has gone 101 days without an infection spreading throughout the community. But she's gone all locked down. You get one case and you're totally locked down. Well, exactly. I don't know if you've seen it, but some of my more liberal friends are like, we should be like New Zealand. They've you know, eradicated COVID. Now it's back there. And now she's delaying elections. Should and Melbourne, still- remember Australia. We love Australia. Yeah. Melbourne's totally shut down. They said, go home. Next. Sports. Ohio State's Justin Fields has started a hashtag, we want to play petition. Fields, the star quarterback of Ohio State, uh, says we got to play the Big Ten. The, the Big Ten, as of now, is not playing this year. We, the football players of the Big Ten, together with the fans and supporters of college football, request the Big Ten Conference play. Why not? The SEC is playing. Other conferences are playing. The Pac-12 isn't. And isn't he in the running for the Heisman this year? Uh, of course, yeah. So then how does that play if they don't play this year? Like next year, would he still be in contention? He might be able to go say to graduate school and stay around, but he's not going to need to. He's going to get drafted in the first round this year. It won't matter. But for the other players that have to emerge, there's going to be nowhere for them to emerge. A lot of players are invisible their junior year, and they become stars or sophomore to junior. But it, we're all inconvenienced by this. But there's inconvenience. It's a necessity and uh, excess precaution. And I believe you should give the players a chance to play. They've been in a bubble since June 1st. They've been practicing. If they were having problems, they've been handling it. You should be able to look at that. But instead, you got politicians, not athletes, making these decisions. And sadly, it's cutting on party lines. The Blues staying home. The Reds are playing. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.